This is episode 182. The ultimate deck podcast. Need a show about outdoor living? This is where it's at with your host, Shane Chapman and Way Loren. Thank you for tuning in. Now let the show begin. Yeah, yeah. The ultimate deck podcast. Let's go. Little snoozy today, Wade. Yeah. Little snoozy today. Why are you so tired? Aren't you all rested? <laughs> uh, you know what? Funny thing, so got back from my fishing trip two days ago, and you would think you'd be all rested after that. You're out in the middle of nowhere. No. There's no distractions. I wouldn't think that. I've gone on fishing trips. The average person might think that. <laughs> if you, My wife would think that. I come back fully you're rested. You're so rested. Because the first thing I got attacked with was, you're sleeping with the baby tonight because you just had three nights of sleep. Like, Sorry, you got time off. Yeah. So she thought I was all ready to rock and roll and be up with the baby all night. And it's what like, actually yes, happens I, is you have... Two old men who are 60 or 70 years old who snore so loud you can't sleep. <laughs> my dad was in a, we, it was bunk beds. I've never slept in a bunk bed with my dad before. <laughs> and I'd like to say it won't happen ever again, but I can't promise that. It well, might happen but now. You kinda, but so, you kind of hope it does, though, because the trip was great. Yeah, and it turns out that actually the only person that complained about snoring the whole trip was my dad about me. <gasps> right. Like That's rich. Bum, bum, bum. I'm the old man now, Wade. <laughs> I'm the old man in this relationship now. I'm so here we go. So uh, the night two and night three, not bad. Slept not bad. The mattresses, I swear to Christ, they were like, <laughs> they were the cardboard the mattress comes in folded up. Like they were not comfortable at all, which I had no problem with because yeah, you get a lot of sun. You're roughing it, right? I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine with that. But the first night, so I was well aware of the weather. I looked it up before we went. It was warm, Planning. like Planning twenty is everything, right? That's Twenty-one, right. twenty-two degrees during the day. Uh, for our guest coming up, uh, Dave, he, that's, what is that? 80 something? Yeah, yeah. mid 80s. Mid 80s. So, so like perfect with fishing weather, not too hot, not cool. Nights would get down to around six or eight degrees, which that's probably what, 45? Yep, something like that. 50? I'm just um, going to say yes all the time. I don't know if it's So right or not. you could tent in this weather. It'd be fine at night. Like I, I have no problem with that. Sleeping bag, like leave a hoodie on if you need to, if you're cool. Well, my brother-in-law thought, it's going to get really cold at night. So I should stoke this fire and get it roaring before no. we go to bed. <laughs> no. So he starts a fire in the camp. So the cabin's like, what, 400 square feet? Like, it's just a tiny little cabin. He gets this fire roaring at like 8 o'clock or something. Yeah. Rookie move. We all sit. Yeah. <laughs> we all sit move. in the beach on the beach having a fire. We go to bed. I'm on the top bunk where heat rises. Yeah. And I'm in the bedroom that's right beside the stove. Yeah. The a, wall, I'm sure. It's 104 where you're trying to sleep. Oh, at least. <laughs> it's the thinnest wall. <laughs> we go we go to bed and I crawl up there. I'm like, holy piss. There's zero chance I'm sleeping here tonight. Like, it's not even possible. So anyways, I stripped down to nothing. Right? I got my... my <laughs> never mind. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I won't go there. Okay. I my dad's the sleeping below me. Thing on, so. <laughs> yeah. I get rid of the sleeping bag. I'm laying there just like nothing but my boxers. You, I throw yeah. on a movie. I download my phone to distract myself from the fact that I'm slowly cooking to death. <laughs> I watch like, I don't know, the intro credits. I either sleep or pass out from heat exhaustion. I'm not <laughs> sure which yet. I wake up. From dehydration. From something. I wake up what's probably like, I don't know, an hour later, half an hour later. I don't really know. Yep. I wake up still holding my phone. I just passed out still holding my phone. Movie still playing. That's how hot it was. And I'm just dying up there. I can't even get a full breath. You know when you get like so tired you can't get a full inhale? I couldn't. It was so hot in there. Because the air was so thick. Right. <laughs> I get off the bed, go out to the kitchen by the fire, and I walk out the door and the heat radiating off this thing was unbelievable. Like I sunburnt when I walked out of the room. 
I went out and stood on the, the deck at 1230 in the morning in the middle of the northern Saskatchewan <laughs> air in my boxers and stood there for 10 minutes, came back inside and contemplated what I was going to do. I was like, I can't go back in there. I will not sleep in there. You should have left the door open. Nobody I did. I left the door open for 10 minutes while I stood there. And then I was like, I'm going to have to haul my sleeping bag down and sleep on the tile floor. Like, yeah. I can't go in there. Yeah, on the deck, You'll something. Yeah. So anyways, I leave a window open and I crawl back into bed. I took a wet cloth with me. I soaked a cloth, took it to bed with me and like wiped myself down every five minutes <laughs> to keep myself cool off. Like it was just awful. Everybody else in there is out. Sleeping, no problem. They wake up in the morning and they're like, how'd you sleep? Whoa. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, no fire the next two nights. It was perfect, perfect. in there. Perfect. Who would build a fire to go to sleep? That's what I said. Don't you sleep when it's cool out? Like I would rather it was I do. 10 degrees, Way rather. 15 degrees to so, go to sleep. Funny yeah. thing is when I went to bed, I stripped down and I was like, boy, that fire might die and it might get cool. I'll hang my t-shirt and my hoodie on the corner of the bed in case I <laughs> need it tonight. Just in case. Holy piss, boys. Wipe the sweat off. It was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I woke up and soaked. When I went back to my bed, I laid Ugh. down. It was cold Ugh. and wet in my sleeping yeah. bag. I either pissed myself or I sweated to death. You probably pissed yourself to keep cool. <laughs> right. <laughs> that would have been preferable. I would have preferred that. You, I, so I went fishing. That was the worst part of my trip. The, the rest of it was really, really good. You went to go shoot bears. How'd that go? Just a bear. I just went to shoot a bear. And did you shoot a bear? Yes. You shot, you shot the bears? I shot one bear. Or you shot the bear. But I didn't get it. <gasps> you shot at the what? bear. Nope, I hit it. <laughs> So I have... What, bear was like cute and walked away? Uh-huh. <laughs> That's what happened. <laughs> so, do you, Dave, do you hunt? Uh, no, I don't. Okay. I so, don't have it for sure, though. <laughs> Story just died right there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, Move I, on. <laughs> I shot a bear and I didn't find it. So I was, I was bow hunting. Or setting up to bow. Oh hunt. yeah, that's right. You didn't use a gun. I was not using a gun, so I went uh, to hunt a black bear with a uh, bow. And so I set up one location, a tree stand, got it all set up. Um, we're ready to go, and then we were going to go set up another bait station because in Canada you're allowed to bait, uh, and in certain spots in the U.S. you're not allowed to bait black bears, but in Canada we have quite a few, and we're allowed to. So I drive to this. I'm on our, like Tyler and I are on our way to a location where we're going to set up another bait station and I see a bear just <laughs> standing out in like in the open and they're not supposed to be out in the open during the day. They're supposed to be kind of nocturnal. So anyways, I was like, oh, there it is. Let's, let's see if we can just walk up to this bear. So we check the wind. Because that's what I say. <laughs> Every time I've seen a bear, I'm like, I should go pet it. I should go walk yeah. up to that bear. <laughs> well, I had a arrow. I was ready. <laughs> So the wind was not in our favor. The bear caught our scent and took off into the forest. And I was like, okay, well, I could probably sneak around. And so we run down to the water, <laughs> we sneak around. This I, sounds like the best plan. I get tucked. <laughs> I get tucked into a spot where I think the bear should be. And then I kind of walk back out into the opening. Don't see it. I was like, well, I'm going to continue on. I'm going to keep going south. And then I'll turn around and come back. And then I will be on the right side of the wind. I'll be downwind and the, and the bear won't be able to smell me. So... I get past it. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, bears are going to tell me no matter where I go now. So they're apparently they're super blind, right? Bears have like terrible vision, but excellent noses. And so I'm like, I found a spot to work my way back towards where I think the bear is. And all of a sudden, boom, he like comes out of the bushes a hundred yards away, like steps out. And I'm like, perfect. This is exactly where I want to be. And I like crouch down and the bear knew I was there. 
but couldn't see me or smell me. And, and I could tell because it was like walking and then it would stop and it would lift its head up and it would sniff and wave around and then like down, 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 down. Anyways, this bear walked straight at me, which is not good for bow hunting because you can't shoot the arrow through the skull. They're too strong, right? Right. And so, so at <laughs> seven yards... He, so you shouldn't have been able to miss. He turned <laughs> and I pulled the I pulled the arrow out of the quiver and loaded the bow and was shaking because he was he was not as far Sorry, as those let me, away. <laughs> so <laughs> you saw a bear hundred yards away. Yeah. Bear walked to you up yep. to within seven yards of you. Yep. Presumably that took a little bit of time. Yep. And you didn't grab your arrow until the bear was seven yards away. Right. Because at 90, he could have turned and went back into the bushes. Yeah, you'd hate to be prepared and not need well, it. Well, like, so, no, no, no. I, like, I, like, I was prepared. So, anyway. He had arrows, Shane. <laughs> I was, like, shaking. And then the bear lines up behind a tree. So, I'm like, okay, get the arrow loaded. And then I, and then I draw and I stand. And the bear turns and starts to walk uh, east, which is great because now he's broadside. And I was like, perfect. I, I have a shot. Chance. And he walks between two trees and there's like a little four foot opening. And I was like, here we go. Time. And I, and I let the arrow fly and I hit him hundred percent. Cause the bear like spins around, bites at his side, takes off, runs into the forest. And so then you wait, you sit there and I'm like, okay, I waited 10 minutes. Then I walk up to where I had shot him. The arrow went clean through. The tip was all broken. Arrows covered in blood and there's blood all over the ground. I was like, Got him. Excellent. This is so good. I tracked for four hours. Oh my God. And then all of a sudden the blood was just gone, like just gone. And so when you're tracking, you like follow, tie ribbons on, make your, like make your mark. And then you can look back and you can kind of see a line that they're walking, right? They just yeah. walk. And so when I ran out of blood, I was like, well, this is fine. Then you do circles. You walk a, a one foot circle, then you walk a two foot circle, then you walk a three foot circle and you like because they can go and then just turn sideways, right? And so yeah. you walk, walk. And lost it. Like, he's just gone. So I went back and I talked to Tyler, and, and I think I missed a little bit left. Like, I think I didn't get right through the ribs, but the the head was all broken, like as if it had hit bone. It hit bone or something. That's what I thought. So anyways, once I got back to the cabin and I was, like, thinking about this, I was like... I don't know that that was maybe the smartest plan to like follow after an injured bear. Like the whole shooting it with a bow, oh, right. I didn't yeah. seem like the, to me that was didn't like, seem didn't seem scary. The, very, the the bear a hundred yards away walking directly towards that you didn't seem to scare me for some a weapon. Reason. Yeah, <laughs> that didn't worry me. But then when I like reflected upon following an injured bear, I was like, well, I probably shouldn't have done that. I probably shouldn't have followed the injured bear all the way into the forest <laughs> for four hours. Yeah. So, <laughs> Anyways, uh, so it didn't work perfectly. I got a shot off. It was a pretty good shot. That's the first animal I've hit with a bow. It was a good shot, but it was not a great shot. It is an awful feeling when you give up. That's the worst part. So yep. I had hit a moose one time with a rifle from a long ways away and tracked it for 14 hours and lost it in the forest as well. And I like could not sleep the next day. Hmm. I just like, I hate. Probably because your cabin is so goddamn hot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Me neither, Wade. <laughs> so, anyways. All right. Well, okay, there's a running cool. joke around here that Wade doesn't actually hunt. He chases. That's and so the legend continues. The legend continues. The yep. legend continues. 
Great story. Well, now that we're not talking about fishing and bear hunting and everything else. Um, what manly thing did you do, David? We've, uh, <laughs> we've got, and correct me if I'm saying this wrong, but David Settlemeyer from yeah, LS Underground right. is joining us today. You got it. So how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. Good. Thanks for sitting Glad through to hear the our stories. stories. It sounds like you guys are enjoying your life. Um, I just work all the time. So one of these days I'll, I'll try and have a story for you. <laughs> yeah, we... Uh, we do work a lot, just not the last four or five days. We just, we called or quits for about that much time. Um, if you would like to come up to Saskatchewan, you probably have better luck catching fish with me than you do getting bears with Wade, but take your pick. This is true. So Dave, you are a deck builder. Whereabouts are you located? Your company's called LS Underground, but where are you from? Who are you? What's your family life look at? Tell us a little bit about you. So uh, we're based out of uh, Longmont, Colorado. It's about 20 miles north of Denver. Um, about 15 miles east of Boulder. So we're right on the line of the mountains. Um, great, great area over here. You know, I don't know if you've ever been. Probably not. Most people haven't. They all say they want to go to Colorado. You're correct. I'd go. We would say that. Yeah, yeah, we want to, but have not been. Yeah, yeah. no, it's great. Um, fishing's really good here too. So is the hunting. People come from around the country. Um, so you guys will probably enjoy it if you ever get down here. Yeah, elk perfect. Hunting. There's apparently really good elk hunting in that area. Hmm. The mountains. So, yeah. Um, family life, you know, I'm a single father, three kids. Um, oh. Been doing that job for about eight years by myself. Uh, quite the struggle, especially with trying to run a deck building company. Um, but it all works out. Are they old enough that you can put them to work yet? You know, my son is. He's 15 now, and it's summertime here. And uh, out of school, I told him, hey, you're going to have to come to work with dad and start helping out, um, try and make some money for himself and make some money for me, too. Yeah. I have a 15 year old as well. I tried to get him to come work with me, like with us here at the store. He will not. He's applying for jobs everywhere else. He refuses <laughs> to come work for his dad. He's he, like, nope, he, you're going to make me clean bathrooms and sweep. And it's like, mm -hmm, yep. He'd rather flip burgers. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's entry fries. level work. That's, that's what I said, right? Um, yeah, I'm, but like, in all fairness, he probably shouldn't be here. He showed up for a week and flip flops the whole week. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Go outside. And he was just like, well, I only got flip flops. And I was like, be very careful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm curious where the name came from. That's what I want to get to first. LS Underground. What's the LS part and why Underground? Uh, so we started as a landscape construction company. And, um, you know, when I when I started the company, I wanted something other than Dave's Landscape, you know, or A-plus Landscape. It just wasn't very original. Yeah. You know, um, Landscape Underground, it has quite a bit of meaning to it. Um, so in landscape and with general construction, it's the foundation. It's the underground stuff that you don't see that's really the most important part of the project. You can build anything that you want above ground, but if the structure fails from down below, you've already started the project off on the wrong foot. Right. Um, LS Underground as well. Um, underground being kind of like the underground music scene where some really good people out there that are really unknown. Um, my goal was never to be a big company with multiple crews. I wanted to stay small and I wanted to be in that underground market. And uh, I feel like I've represented the company well um, over the years with um, the way that it started as landscape and then uh, the structure of that, the lesser known company, um, you know, and then evolving that into what it's become now. Um, Here's, you know, we've only been building decks full time since 2019 and we had a pretty rough 2018 season and my foreman came up to me and said, hey, you know, we're really set up to build decks. We've got some really good tools. Why don't we just focus on that? And um, 
you know, it's hard to go out and sell decks as a landscape company. And so we just abbreviated the name to LS so that we didn't have to start new bank accounts and start a new company from scratch. We could just continue on with what we were doing, but just kind of hide the name of landscape. And the truth about it is now that we don't do any kind of landscape work anymore. Um, so that's just kind of how the company came about and the name of it. Interesting. So Dex since 2019, how long before that, like how long has a company existed as a landscape company uh, before? So I started this version of the company in 2014 and that's when my ex-wife and myself split up and I uh, ended up with custody of the kids. Okay. So we had a, a split up at that time. My previous company had to dissolve because of the divorce. And this is the company that I um, started again uh, after that time frame. Gotcha. And the company before was also landscaping? Is that right? Same uh, yeah. 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 So I've been in the, in the landscape business and outdoor living space for a little over 20 years now. Okay. And you mentioned you wanted to like, kind of, your goal is always to keep it kind of small, presumably like usually when people want to do that, it's because they want to control the quality and keep the quality really high and they don't want the hassle of the multiple crews and everything else. How many, yeah. how many employees do you operate with then? Is it yourself that's on site doing things and then others with you or? Yeah, um, it's myself on every project, and um, I usually have a foreman and a laborer, uh, just some guy that can uh, keep things rolling while I'm off-site, whether it's material acquisition, consultations, things like that. Um, but generally, I'm just operating with two other guys besides myself. And so you are the gopher at that point, right? If there's something, you're missing something, you're going to get it. And, but you've just got the two guys and keep things rolling. So, well, this is all about relationship and uh, relationship with my suppliers um, is very key part of the company and how it operates. Um, I feel like because of those relationships, I'm also able to acquire materials where other guys have to wait for those. I get special treatment with will call orders, things like that. Um, you know, so I like to keep those relationships strong. Right. Smart. Yeah. Yep. So what is your, what does your process look like from then? Since you're, it seems like you're kind of likely involved at every step of the way. What does it look like for LS underground from the time? Like, how do you get your customer right through to, so when the job's complete, what are all those steps? How do you manage all that? No, uh, it's a challenge really. Um, you know, being small and wanting to, to focus on that portion of the company and, and staying small means that I have all of that responsibility. Um, we, we get most of our clientele is referral based, if not all of it. Um, it, it starts through our suppliers. Um, weekend warriors that want to get into projects realize that it's too much for them and they reach out and ask for a referral of a contractor. Um, previous clients referring to friends, family, stuff like that. And um, it's actually worked out really well. I think that the referral portion of that has kept me in business for about 20 years. Um, it's probably only been since I've been focusing on building decks that I've been getting the majority of my referral work through my suppliers. Um, so that's been really key to focus in the market that way and be able to bring in those kind of clientele. Um, then I meet with the clients, um, get an idea of what they're looking for. And, you know, usually I would take on just about any project as most contractors that need work are going to do. But um, when I started focusing on what my goals were with the company, that's when I started really weeding people out as far as the type of projects that I was looking for and the type of projects that matched with uh, that clientele as well. So um, I look at it when I'm meeting with a client as it's a, um, a dual interview. Mm -hmm. they're, they're interviewing me as a contractor, but really I'm interviewing them as a client. And um, I've had a lot of success with it. Um, 
So then it moves into design. And again, with focusing on my personal goals, I try to design some pretty crazy stuff. And regardless of what the clients have asked for, I try to stay within the basic scope of area, location, size, and shape. Um, but I try and throw some wild stuff out there and see who bites on it. You, That's awesome. you have certainly... Uh, done some of the most creative stuff I've ever seen. That's for sure. Going on there. And we'll get into, we'll get into that a bit more in a minute here, but what, what are your personal goals then? And how do those come to be? And why are like, what, why are those goals? I wanted to be, I wanted to be a champion builder. Yeah. Um, you know, and that comes with reputation and, um, sales ability, things like that. When you have, uh, an ability to present yourself to a client in a way that sets you apart from all the rest of your competition is certainly in your favor. And then I can use some of like the NADRA awards and um, those kind of things that I've achieved to highlight myself as the contractor, the creative person, um, the, the person that's going to go above and beyond on a quality standpoint has um, been very beneficial to me. So my goal really was um, you know, I was a failed contractor most of my career, you know, and it wasn't until 2018 or 2019 where I finally decided that, you know, this is my real last opportunity. Uh, being a single father, I had to do something for my kids. I had to be successful and I had to find a way to make that happen. So, um, you know, that's kind of where it all started about 2018, 2019. And man, I feel like I've achieved the majority of my goals. Yeah, awesome. I, I know uh, I watched from afar because we didn't make the trip down there, but I watched the last NADRA Awards ceremony uh, from whatever they were presenting it on Zoom or whatever it was. And it was like, it was just constantly LS Underground, LS Underground. LS. I'm like, who the hell? <laughs> like, what, is well, the, what is the deal with this guy? He's just up there constantly. That's, that's exactly what my goal was. My goal was, you know what, I'm going to go up there and I'm going to win every award. Yep. I'm going to just get myself on the map and I'm going to have everybody sitting back saying, who the hell is this guy? Yeah. Was that the first one you had, that. had been in just this past uh, year? No. So, um, you know, I didn't even know about NADRA or the NADRA awards until 2019. And I had completed a couple of projects that year that I thought, you know, they, they might qualify, you know, let's just throw something in there and see what happens. And, uh, there's one deck in particular that I did. I thought I was going to win something on it, but I didn't even get a mention, uh, which was really uh, strange to me because I thought it was my best project, but it was literally on the last day of the entry deadline. I decided, you know what, I'm just going to throw some projects in there and see what happens. Um, so in 2019, uh, I think we were in Kentucky that year. Um, I ended up winning two awards and I thought, excellent. That, that's super cool that I just won two awards on projects, just everyday projects. What, what would happen if I tried? Yeah. What if I tried to win awards specifically, what would happen? And then 2020, you know, every project that I did was meant to be an award-winning project. And we put all of our focus and all of our effort into making that happen. And it was every single project that we did that year won an award. Isn't That's, that crazy how that, like, that mindset at the start of the year changes you? Right. Like, absolutely. I went, I went home from the 2019 NADRA award, not home. I went back to the motel that night and I designed my first award-winning project for the 2020 season. <laughs> That's cool. And uh, I, I hadn't even left Kentucky yet because, um, you know, I had just seen all the other projects that won. So I, so it was fresh in my mind of what I had to go above and beyond to be. 
And, and it was literally that night that I began the journey of winning all of these NADRA awards. I think that's my favorite part about the NADRA awards is that they just, like they just drive everybody to be better, right? And it's like, if you don't win, what happens is you walk away from there mad. Like you're mad that day. But then the next day, you're like you're better because yes. you have because you have to be. If you value the award and you want to participate in that uh, in in that arena, then you have to be better. So, what, uh, so all it took was effort. It really did. It was the mindset of yeah. I, I have to design something above and beyond. I have to implement the design better than anybody else is going to be able to. And um, it's that Johnny Huck mentality is that I'm the best mf around, you yep. know? Yep. And it's, that's what you have to think. And um, as long as you think that that's true, you can achieve that. So it's calling it out into existence. Yeah, so good. What was your haul in the 2020 awards? How many, how many awards did Ten. you take home? 10. Ten. Yeah. Um, so six first place, um, four third place awards, and that included uh, first place people's choice. That's a cool one to get. Yeah. Holy yeah. Thank smokes. you. And then, um, you know, so of course that continues on. And uh, here recently, I just walked with another seven awards this year. Um, so I really stacked them up in two years and um, I'm, I'm grateful for um, NADRA and um, certainly Timber Tech, my main supplier who I use for supporting me to be able to actually achieve this. Yeah. Um, we'll see what happens this year. Yeah, that's good. Um, do you, do you find that those Nadra, do you use those Nadra awards in your everyday marketing? Do they help you to get more jobs? Do you find absolutely. that? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So, um, when the 2020 season started and it was my goal to specifically compete for Nadra awards, I, I had already had the, the previous two from 2019. I got a second place award and a third place award. And I utilized those to let my customers know I was going after that elusive first place award. Right. And that I intended to build them a first place project. And that's how I sold all of those projects for the 2020 season was specifically using those NADRA awards um, as, the, as the setting for what I was trying to achieve. What a great, like... What a great mental play that is on to your customer, right? Because now your customer's like, oh, well, I didn't really want that bench, but I know what you're trying to do. So, and it allows you to start to put more of your creativity onto the deck. And they're like, no, 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 that's okay. I know what he's doing. And I want my deck to win too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Oh, and that is because they know and they're watching it throughout the construction and through the build, uh, seeing it evolve. And the, the excitement is incredible when they come home from work every day and see what we've accomplished through the day. Um, you know, everybody brings out beers. Everybody leaves a cooler of Gatorades. We get catered more than what we ever have in our career. Oh, um, so people just delivering pizzas to us. It's like, well, we didn't even order these, you know? <laughs> it's, it's really cool um, to know that, but it's not for everybody. It, it really isn't. And there's a lot of people, they just want that 10 by 12 and I have to walk away from those. Um, you know, to, to end up with the, the 10 awards in 2020, and I believe that that was five separate projects, but it took probably 25 consultations to find those five people that were willing to play along with what my goals were. Right. How many projects would you do in a year on average? Like, do you, do you, are you there for quite a while on each job or? 
Yeah, certainly. Um, and it's evolved to even less projects, um, unfortunately, because it's really difficult to go to a project day after day after day. Um, you know, but last year we did six, um, 2020, we did seven and, uh, 2019, was, we probably did 14 projects in 2019, but again, the, the complexity has grown. Uh, the size of the projects have grown and that just means that we can only produce smaller amounts of projects. So six to seven jobs and you're winning, yeah. you're winning seven to 10 awards. You're winning awards on every single job <laughs> yeah, you're exactly. building. Like every, every single project. That's the thousand. Goal. And, yeah. and there's a, and then I, I think I figured out kind of um, how to win an award on every project is you can't go into there thinking that you're going to win a specific category every deck has to qualify for multiple categories, right? Mm. You know, so, so if I'm building a project, it, it needs to win because of its shape. It needs to win because of its flooring pattern, its lighting scheme, its railing. It needs to be able to qualify for all of those. And that's the only way to, to guarantee that the project is going to win is if it qualifies for multiple, uh, multiple entries. Right. I, I won seven this year, but I was out of 22 entries. Gotcha. Mm. Gotcha. But, but every project won something. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. that's cool. Um, I, I put this up fairly late, but I did ask for a couple of questions from people on Instagram if they cared to ask you anything. We got a couple of comments. One, whoops, one from Henhouse Dex. Uh, not a question, just says they love you. Love LS Underground. Uh, Mitcon Dex, however, asks, where does the inspiration come from for the unique designs you build? Um, you know, my, my little girl, she's 11 now. And she, when she comes out and meets my customers, she tells my customers all the time, you know, this deck was my idea. (laughs) (laughs) And it's really cute because she does uh, really inspire me, but I'll take a, I'll take a comment from just about anybody, um, you know, and it'll, it'll spark my imagination. You know, like what if we did something that had multiple colors, you know, like the patchwork deck, I did a lot of those in 2020, which I'm trying to get away from. Um, but it seems to be kind of my style. Uh, multiple colors, multiple patterns. Um, but I try to pick ideas up from different people, um, you know, just different concepts. I try to think of it as a concept instead of a design and see how it evolves from there. But um, a lot of it, how it evolved was um, through my current design program and um, mistakes. My grandfather told me when I was a little kid, he's like, a true artist can turn his mistake into a masterpiece. So I've never been scared to actually try something new, to fail at it, to make a mistake. Because if you can be creative when you're trying to fix that mistake, a lot of the times it'll end up being more or better than what it was intended. Um, But it it truly is. um, A couple of my concepts have been mistakes during the design process that actually turned out to be pretty cool. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, but did you have your daughter at the awards as well? She went up on stage with you? Oh yeah, that's yeah. true. The last two years I had her with me. Yeah, I remember seeing that too. I, I thought that was cool. It was really kind of like a, I don't know, endearing a moment to see your daughter go up there with you. To hey, you know, she, she takes credit for the design, so she's got to be there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now I've got to ask you because the I remember the one that, first caught my eye was the epoxy slab tree slab yeah i don't know what the hell you call that thing well the name of that project is forest floor well that makes sense so uh i i remember watching those awards and i think it was just like i think i was just watching the 
the slideshow of the different projects kind of like rolling through whatever. And that one kind of flashed and it was like, it just caught my eye because it was so freaking different from yeah. anything else. Like I've seen some amazing shit come through the Nadja Awards, but that one caught my eye because it was like, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. What is that? It almost what? didn't even look like a deck anymore. No, it was, it was so strange right? at yeah. a glance. I'd yeah. go back yeah. and kind of look at it. And then it was like, holy crap. So like, Tell me the story of that. How did you come up with this concept to... Well, it's to, not his concept. It was his well, daughter. How did your daughter come concept. up with it? Yeah. Whoever came up with it. Like, uh, how does that come to be? That, that one was mine. Um, you know, my, my daughter can't take any credit for that one. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, because we started as a landscape construction company. And, you know, then again, it evolved into the outdoor living space. We, we started primarily with patio. And we did a lot of pavers, a lot of flagstone, a lot of stuff like that. And um, it was in 2011, we did the, um, the Denver Home and Garden Show. And it's just something that came up. We needed to fill some space in, in our booth. And uh, we were out of materials. We didn't really have anything that we could throw in there. Um, you know, we had all these trees laying around. And we just started cutting slices and we turned it into a patio. So it started originally as a patio and uh, we got rave reviews from it during the during the home and garden show. We actually won um, best of show for our booth that year, which that was a cool honor. Um, but the way that we had to build it, we had to build it on a plywood frame in order for quick installation, basically, so we could get it to the show and set it up. And uh, so technically it was a deck. And when people commented on it, they referred to it as a deck. I didn't know, you know, we weren't building decks at that time, but that concept was always still there with me that I wanted to figure out how to turn it from patio into a deck. And, you know, it took years and years for me to really figure it out. But um, previously in the year, we had uh, we'd actually built a stamped concrete deck that had a radiant heat system in the flooring and we utilized a uh, rubberized sub, uh, subfloor for that. And that kind of clicked in my head like, hey, you know what, if we do this, we'd have to set everything in epoxy um, if we were to do that. But that's the only way that we can really fasten all of the uh, all of the wood rings down if we were to build it. So, um, you know, it kind of just evolved and it fell into place right at the right time. And it, all the lighting that went on underneath that, that was really an afterthought. And it was, it was after, um, we got the framing done that I decided if we were going to use all this epoxy to help encapsulate everything, let's throw all that light underneath there too. So we threw thousands and thousands of LED light strips, um, or LED lights through light strips. Um, down underneath, encapsulated all of that in epoxy, and then did all of our wood ring work on top of that. Um, when we fastened everything down, we actually did that at night so that we could have the lights on, and we knew that when we were seeking screws, we weren't penetrating light strips. <laughs> so that was pretty neat. Oh, it's like your average um, deck build, you know? Yeah. <laughs> It was something completely different and, you know, I don't build wood and I'm against deforestation and tropical hardwoods. And I thought if I ever built a deck, a wood deck, that that's all that I would do. Um, and I was, I was able to find some really unique wood stuff that's not current or not typically used on decks. So we use black walnut, peach, uh, Russian olive, birch, you know, so they were all hardwoods. Um, you know, and qualified, they were all harder than redwood, harder than cedar. Um, you know, so that's, um, you know, how I 
kind of formulated what we would use in there, but the colors just worked out great. Um, it wasn't until literally the day that we were cutting all the log slices that I came across, across the black walnut. Um, at that point, I already had the deck sold and already had the concept done and the frame built, but I didn't even know what we were going to use for the wood on the project. Um, we were cutting log slices and uh, it was like a four day process doing that. But during that time, we could hear a chainsaw like three blocks away there was some company cutting down trees in a, another property and I needed more wood. So I ran over there. I said, Hey, I'll help you guys clean this up. If, if I can get some of your wood. And they're like, no, sorry, man, this is black walnut. And, and I played stupid and I was like, Hey, you know, what's that? And he's like, this tree's worth $20,000 at the, <laughs> at the mill. Uh, and I can't let you have any of it. So then, uh, you know, I was driving by maybe an hour later and I saw that they were struggling. They actually had a, a climbing rope attached to the top of the tree to pull it a certain direction and their climbing rope snapped. And I had one in the back of my truck and I said, here, here you guys go and just hand it off to him. And he said, cool. Uh, thank you. I went back like an hour later to see how it went. He's like, thank you. You saved us with that rope. Uh, go ahead and load up a couple of logs. And I was like, oh, man, that's so awesome. So I ended up with that black walnut for free, and it was just the perfect color to contrast everything else. That's so cool. So it was neat. wild. Did you have to or did you consider, um, did you have to treat the, the, the slabs in any way to make sure they don't kind of patina over time with sun through the epoxy? I don't imagine it would like, they probably will kind of gray out over time, will they? Or did you treat them in some way? You know, I'm sure that there's going to be a little bit of fade to that, to the colors and whatnot, yeah. but it's, it's kind of an unknown too. Yeah. Um, kind of just like the lights with the project. Um, you know, I told the clients, once we install these lights, there's no replacing it. There's yeah. no fixing it. So there's a lifespan to that, you know, so use the lights sparingly. Don't, don't turn them on every night, just only during parties or things like that, um, you know, to, to conserve that longevity. But as of right now, we're two years after building the project. Um, the colors are still very vivid. Very cool. And so did you pitch that concept to a bunch of people or did you happen to find, was the first one you showed that to like, yep, let's do it. Or how yeah, hard was it to sell that? First one. First one. Really? Yeah. And everybody thinks, man, you know, you have to, that has to be in a, a certain neighborhood or certain house style. Yep. No, it's just a, like a $400,000 house. Uh, I don't know what your housing market's like there, but this is, that's just quite average here. Yep. Um, it's a little smaller town, uh, like a, uh, an old farming town, you know, so it's not anywhere special. Um, and yeah, they jumped all over it. What have they, you must have heard from those homeowners since then, like since they had got that done, have they, have they shared any feedback with you from people who have kind of come over and visited and been like, oh my God, look at this deck. Oh yeah, yeah, certainly. Like all coworkers, all friends, everybody in the neighborhood has been over to that house and, and seen it. Um, when they have the lights on at night, it illuminates the entire back of their house. Um, <laughs> we actually, when we took the drone footage, we went up as high as we go as like 250 feet and the entire house, the, the whole yard lit up from 250 feet. So you could probably see it from an airplane. Awesome. If, would you, I was like, are you like an artist and you won't do that again? Yeah. That's exactly what my question is. Oh, so like, if somebody wants no. that deck, are you going to say no? No, it never happened again. I'd only do everything once. So everything I've ever built in wow. my career has been a one-time deal. That's, um, so that's part of the money process too. You know, I, I lose a lot of money or, or I don't make a lot of money because everything that I do, I've never done before. Right. And everything that I do, I'll never do again. Right. 
That's cool. And so do you tell yeah. people that up front? Does a homeowner know like you've got exclusivity on this concept kind of thing? Yeah. I, I tell my clients that they won the contractor lottery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's awesome. Another, yeah. another design aesthetic I noticed in looking at some of your pictures is that you tend to integrate um, boulders or rocks or stones, not just around, but sometimes like right into the deck. What's the idea there? How? Yeah, so that's just a transition uh, from my landscape background. Um, you know, it's something it's difficult to do. Yeah. Um, and so my goal is to do what is the most difficult thing that you can do. Um, and I'm as a landscaper, I, I got into that because I'm, I feel more at one with nature, just in general, natural materials. And, uh, so boulders are a big part of what I've always worked with. And I think, I don't see a lot of that incorporated into decks. I see that into patios, yep. but that is what I believe helps to set me apart from my competition as well as having that background in a different trade that I could help to influence my current builds with. I've always loved that look for sure. For the exact reason you said it, it just transitions between spaces. So like, even though it's a very hard material you're using there, it just kind of softens that transition. It's not like hard line deck drops off to grass yep. or to, to whatever. Exactly. To, to it's trying to blend the entire outdoor living space together as one cohesive project versus um, a landscape and then a patio and then a deck and then a porch cover. Um, one of my current projects that I won with, um, you know, I won porch cover of the year here recently, and I actually have boulders that come through the landscape through the patio, through the deck, and up into the columns themselves. So I really took those boulders and grew them through the ground all the way up into there. That is so cool. Yeah, thank you. What, is there any material that's off limits to you? Like when you're sitting down to create a design, what materials are in your head that you're kind of like, this is my, this is my paint tray. These are the, these are the materials I have to work with. Like, is anything off limits? Yeah, no, there's nothing off limits. In fact, I have several concepts that I feel are, you know, guaranteed NADRA award-winning projects based on the material usage. And I don't want to really go into it, but if you just look at the history of what I've what I've done through NADRA, I've won with um, composites, I've won with wood, I've won with um, a, a stamped concrete deck. Um, you know, I've, I do pavers and and tile and stone and all of that. So if I can incorporate all of that or some of it together into a project. Um, I'd love to see what the results would be, um, but there really is nothing that's off limits. I'm looking into different metals right now that can be used for surfaces. Um, you know, imagine a steampunk deck, you know, um, that'd be cool. What you can do with the railing, if you're thinking about that concept, you know, and, and how you can incorporate those things. Um, we'll see if that comes to fruition. That's awesome. Yeah, something like copper would be so good, right? Like the yeah, copper, the brass, aluminum. You yeah. know, you mix all that stuff up, and you do some creative things with some large cogs, and um, you know, some different railing layouts. Um, yeah. You know, to stay within code, still certainly. Um, you know, but to create something that you've just never seen before. Yeah, so I've noticed you. I believe you seem to offer a three D design with every um, project you do, you deliver that to the homeowner. How much, and I think you use structure studios. I don't know if that's still the case, but that's yeah. what you were using. Yeah, that's the, that's the case. How much do you have to fight that program to deliver <laughs> yeah. the shit that you're trying to do? Because you're, you're using with like the, the program wouldn't be like, what deck board would you like to use? Would you want to use chunks of black walnut? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. It doesn't no, have those materials. It really is. 
I, I have to force the design to do what I, or for the program to do what I want it to do. Yeah. Um, so, you know, a lot of the times the deck is not drawn out of the deck category or the deck options. It's drawn out of just different categories, different things. Right. Um, so it is the designability and my knowledge of the program and my knowledge of what it's a lot of thinking outside of the box too, uh, with different paint schemes. Um, you know, there's that option paint tool, you know, where you don't have to use the default settings and uh, materials that they have. You can Google, pictures and you can upload photos and you know i can make the design look like what i want it to look like right. um but yeah structure studios it's been a great program for me to be able to use my creativity with sure um you mentioned before the 3d, the 3D stuff too i mean it's it sets it off if i can send a video link to a client i don't even have to present anything like they can sit on their couch and watch a youtube link on their 75 inch tv and see their entire project yeah yeah you also show, uh, yeah, that it certainly helps the process, especially when you're doing stuff that is literally impossible for somebody else to envision. Mm-hmm. Like how does somebody yeah. else even get that in their that. head, right? Yep. People, ha- I'm going to take this rock and I'm going to put it <laughs> in the deck. And they're like, no. Most people have a hard time just like figuring out what their AZAC coastline 12, 10 by 12 is going to look like. Huh, can you do it? Can you do it? Like, let alone the stuff you do. Um, you do, do you still offer the virtual reality things? I saw that you were kind of doing that for a bit with the, the Oculus headsets. Does that, has that yeah. helped you? Is that something you're still doing? Do people appreciate so that? I, I was, I was doing that pre 2020. Uh, I started using structure studios in 2019 and, um, you know, of course nobody wanted to touch anything that somebody else had to touch <laughs> in 2020, yeah. you know? And so that kind of phased out. I still offer that, but people seem to be satisfied with the YouTube link and being able to watch a video run through of their project. Yeah. I think that that it's more convenient yeah. for people. Plus they can share that with friends, family, neighbors, things like that. Yeah. And they can receive input from the people that they care about when they're trying to make a decision for their project. But, um, the, the 3d video is where it's at. It's, yeah. um, there's a lot of guys that throw out a 3d image from a couple of different, angles of the project, but it still never does justice to what you're trying to do. So I try to give everybody at least a three minute uh, pan through video and I include music and all that stuff. I'll actually ask people, you know, uh, do you like country music? Do you like rock? And you know, whatever. And I'll try to incorporate that kind of a music tone in with their video to make it entertaining. That's like a psychology hack right there too. Right. Yeah. You know, there is, there's a lot of that in that goes into it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you mentioned that you work with TimberTech. I don't know if that's exclusive but do you have do you have preferred material manufacturers like your hardscape and your railing and your deck boards obviously like is there certain manufacturers you try to uh, to me the rest of everything you're saying is going to tell me no like you're just kind of <laughs> wide open but are there certain brands you like to work with um i exclusively work with timber tech um you know and there's reasons for it too timber timber tech has treated me pretty nice the last couple of years um they pay attention to my projects. They come out and visit me all the time. Um, they take me out to dinner. You know, they, they do a lot for me. Um, got a Timber Tech hat on right now. They keep boxes stocked for me. I don't get that from anybody else. Um, but we also live here in Colorado. We have a class A fire rating requirement um, just 15 miles from here where the only projects, projects products you can use are class A fire rated. And for the longest time, AZEC uh, was the only thing that qualified. Right. Uh, so an AZEX is a tricky product to use here in my area too, but because I'm so familiar with it, um, I feel like I've mastered the product and, um, 
it's it's very easy to work with. It's lightweight. We've been doing a lot of bending lately. It bends very nice, um, very smooth, you know, and so it is my preferred product. But as far as railing and framing materials, things like that, it's just whatever my supplier has in stock. Um, Barrett Outdoor Livings, their RDI railings, uh, Fortress railings, Cinch. Um, you know, I'll, I'll go back and forth between all that stuff, um, you know, from a cost standpoint or from what um, what I need the product to do. Um, if we're bending railing, I'm definitely going to use cinch uh, pre-manufactured iron railing because of the thickness of the gauge. It, it rolls smoother with less kinks than a fortress railing will, yep. um, you know, but if I'm looking for something lightweight and fast, fortress is certainly there and available for me. Right. And yeah, so... Like- like you said at the start, it's all relationship, right? So Timbertown yeah. sends hats and takes you over dinner. It's like, just pay attention. That's well, no, that's all that I asked ever. Right. You know, it's like, hey, um, I'm doing really cool stuff with your guys's products. You know, I just want a little bit of recognition and a little bit of appreciation for it. You know, and um, I know me and Shane have gone back and forth on Facebook a couple of times. You know, but they're the only ones that have ever reached out to me after winning an Adder Award. Awesome. You know, right. like they're my build partner and. And they congratulate me. They take me out to dinner. You know, I get perks, but I the phone hasn't even rang from anybody else. Yeah, and Azek's a fantastic board, right? It, it like, sounds like it sounds like you're using Azek stuff exclusively from them. You're not using their their composites, or is that you know true? they change their colors and their lines so often. <laughs> you know, it's hard. Um, oh yeah, that's great for a guy like you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is to a certain point, um, but I like the lightweight aspect of the AZEC and the fact that it's easy to work with. Um, all composites weigh the same. They're extremely heavy, yeah. you know, and I'm getting older and, and because I work on all my projects, the last thing I want to do is carry five tons of deck boards from the front yard yeah, like, to the backyard, you know, especially like um, that legacy line, right? Like you start hauling that legacy line around, man, that stuff is, it is wild. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I do, uh, the current project that we're on, we're using the legacy line and, and it's either the legacy line or the AZEC line that is pretty much what we use. We don't use any of the other lines. Right. Um, if somebody came to you and they had a board picked out from another manufacturer, would you tell them I don't work with that? Like, is it exclusive your relationship with them? Yes. Yeah. I actually will steer them over to timber tech. Right on. Okay, <clears throat> I did have this question down because it was something that you and I chatted about recently on Facebook about, and we're kind of in it now anyway, about how you kind of feel about, uh, you know, getting recognition from manufacturers or how you feel about other contractors around the United States or Canada that are getting recognition from from their manufacturers, sometimes on a larger scale than maybe yourself would or a Scott Kelly would or those kind of guys. So sure. just to dive into that a little bit more, because we chatted it through and I kind of jumped in and was like, well, you're not getting it because you're not putting yourself out there on social media. Like that's why they want those guys. It's not that they're building right. the coolest shit. There's no doubt that you're building the coolest shit. <laughs> like Your stuff right. that's coming like is, is cooler than probably anybody that's building out there. But well, yet, thank you. But yep. yet you're not you're not getting the the exposure and recognition from these guys. So does that like does that piss you off a little bit, or do you understand why, or like what's your feeling on that? You know, um, there's a what is the prestige of winning an ad award? Who is that prestigious to? You know, it certainly is to me because I put the effort in to win that award. It's prestigious for all the other guys that put the effort in to do that. You know, and where it came about, you know, in regards to sponsorship, you know. Um, 
Trex actually sponsored one of my first awards. This was before I was exclusive with TimberTech. And then I thought, great, you know, I'm, I'm being sponsored. You know, they even reached out to me and told me they were going to sponsor me. You know, we get through the whole awards process and everything, and I, I don't even get a handshake. And, you know, I, I talked to the guy from TimberTech that reached out to me and I was like, hey, you guys said you were sponsoring me. What does that mean? Like, oh, we just wanted to get your award. <laughs> you know, if you want an award, we just wanted to come up there on stage and grab it with you. So <laughs> is that not wow. prestigious to them too? Why are they there? Yeah you know, piggybacking my awards if it's not prestigious to them, right. you know? And what is a sponsorship? If you're going to sponsor me and you're going to support my project, what are, you, what are you doing for me besides just taking, stealing my glory or piggybacking on me, you know? And so I, I feel like the, you know, when you're winning a prestigious award and you're doing something and you're showcasing that manufacturer's products in a way that is winning, you know, top recognition in the country or internationally, you know, that, maybe a little bit more effort could get put into supporting those contractors that are doing that. And I feel, especially with myself, being a perennial contender for those NADRA awards, you know, and, and, and winning those every year that I'm doing something different and above and beyond what most of the guys are doing. And I realize that I'm not, I don't have five crews and I'm not spending $200,000 a year on flooring, you know, and so I'm the smaller guy on their totem pole from a financial side, but from a prestige side, um, who are the guys that are getting the recognition and why? It's like your awards or your builds are in their brochures. And so well, literally, that but should be like, that should be worth something. And I think what they have, Shane, a, they have an office somewhere with all of my awards hanging up on the wall. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and they're not even giving me a phone call. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think like at the very least, uh, the entry fee into the awards should be paid for not not your entry fee like you have to enter to be in those categories and it's like yeah. listen if you want your name on this then you pay i built the deck you pay the 60 dollars to enter it right yeah. it's not huge. Well, it's more than that but yeah that's yeah. so that's what i was expecting when trex said they were sponsoring me there's like you guys are going to at least cover my entry fee right yep. you know um but no, <laughs> it wasn't that, you know, and then of course, you know, that was just my introduction into the NAD rewards when 2020 came in and I knew that every project that I was putting in was going to win something. I was expecting like glory, you know, yep. like, uh, like, you know, I, I expected more than what I got and, and shame on me for having those expectations, you know, but I, I felt like I was doing something prestigious and that um, I, there would be a little bit more recognition for that. And, and to be honest, TimberTech actually reached out and they're like, hey, we want to use your projects in some of our advertising. Can you tell us what colors the flooring you used on this project? It's like, yeah, I use this color and this color and this color. And they're like, oh, well, we're going to discontinue this color. So we can't even use your project in advertising because we can't showcase that, that color of the, our product. And, um, you know, so the funny story, again, I, I found that out right after the 2020 awards uh, that they were discontinuing that. And uh, sure enough, I had already used that color on three additional projects that were entered for this current NADRA award. So, of course, I wasn't going to get any kind of recognition from TimberTech from a marketing standpoint of, because the colors got discontinued. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The unfortunate reality of it is that they're, they're, um, they're not really out there just to make guys like you feel better about yourself. Right? <laughs> like they're, they're in it a hundred percent for what's in it for them. True. And that's the, that's True. the end of the story. And unfortunately those NADRA awards are 
the height of their worth is at the award ceremony and the couple yeah. days following. Well, no, right? from a from a local standpoint, um, it's still very prestigious to me and in my community. Yeah. From a national standpoint, it, it does nothing for me. Yeah. You know, because what am I going to you know go from Colorado to um, Maine to build a deck? It's not happening. I'm not going to California to build a deck. So I, I could care less if people know about me around the country. But yeah. from a local standpoint, if if there was some advertisement help and there was some uh, you know some kind of local marketing that would assist me and help me, certainly I'd be up for that. And I think that I had an expectation for that to happen. And there was some disappointment when it didn't. Right. You know, um, yeah. but I still feel like when other guys are chiming in having those same expectations that I can at least share my story with them, yeah. you know, and let them know you're nobody, <laughs> you know, in, in the eyes of a billion dollar company, you, you're nobody. Yeah, exactly. Which the, is unfortunate because they build their reputation on the back of guys like you, because right. let's be honest, if you take a, if you took a deck board, whether it was Trex or Azek and you walked it out into a yard and laid it down on the grass, it is not valuable, True. right? It's just a deck yeah. board. It's not yeah. valuable until somebody puts it together and makes it look cool. And it's, it's almost like all of the companies forget that, you know, like, well, my yeah. board is the best. It's like, no, your board's not the best. The guys using your board are the best in the industry. That's what makes your board the best. Yeah. So No, I agree. And, you know, I got to give a shout out to those guys that are on social media that are capitalizing and, and marketing themselves correctly. I don't, I don't have the time for that. You know, I don't have the opportunity to film. I mean, I have footage. I've got the last three years, probably 11 projects, completely photographed, video time lapse from start to finish. My forest floor deck, I've got 700 hours of footage for that. Oh, but what dude. do I do with it? Dude, you know, get it out there, man. Get it out there. <laughs> but I, I don't, I can't. I can't put all that stuff together. I don't have time for it. I don't from a financial standpoint, because I only work on these big projects recently, you get done with them. There's no money left over. So I can't hire, um, you know, a media tech to put all that stuff together for me. So, you know, that's where maybe I'd think, you know, one of these manufacturers would say, Hey, you know, we could help you out with a little bit of a budget here. Um, who knows? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Well, and I think can, that's it, right? You start to have those relationships and maybe that's what it is. Maybe you reach out to your, your supplier and you're like, I don't need uh, dinner this month. And I don't need, what I need is some help putting this video together. Can I send you some raw content and you build me a video? Yeah. True. Like, yeah. yeah. And you know, that footage isn't going anywhere. You know, um, yeah. if I take that 700 hours of footage from my forest floor deck and give it to somebody, maybe they can put, you know, 70 TikToks together for me, yes. or, you know, 110 uh, Instagram posts, because if you break it up into days, you know, I could literally have a, a post every day, but I don't have time to put that stuff together for yeah. myself. Well, yeah. at least you have it. Like at least I wasn't aware that you even had that content. Like that's, that's huge. Like maybe you don't yeah. have time now or the resources now, but maybe it will at some point or, or right. like when the partner. 15 year old starts working for you, like the 15 year old, no doubt has a really good <laughs> handle on TikTok. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because my 11 year old that designs all of my projects, she's my, she's going to be my media tech. She yeah. just needs to get a little bit better at it, but she, she makes her own TikToks and Instagram posts. So she's really good at it. And I even told her, Hey, you know, you're gonna have to start helping dad out here, but I don't want to overwhelm her with so much footage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, yeah. what is the, what, like, I don't know, you, you set these personal goals. You seem to have achieved a lot of them so early, like to, 
to decide one year you're going to go in and win some awards and then just, and then did how, where do you go from here? Like what's the next step for you? Um, you know, it was all of course to build a reputation so that I could demand the price that I feel is right for my work. Um, you know, if you can't back that up when you go in there and you're the highest bid and you're the highest by 20%, um, you know, if you can't back up what you're going to do for the client, they're never going to bite on that, that dollar amount. And so I've been steadily able to increase um, the profitability of the company. Um, really, I put a lot into it into 2020, even to say that I took losses on projects just to make sure that they came out the way that they were intended to. And so from here on, I want to be able to use the reputation of the company to justify a price increase and work on some simpler projects, knowing that the quality, even though the design aspect might not be outlandish, the quality is still going to be absolutely perfect and try and capitalize financially from that standpoint. So, um, you know, what do I do now? I've won 19 NADRA awards. What is it going to do for me to win even one more? You know, it, it's, well, it just gets it to a round uh, number. First of all, yeah. <laughs> so, well, you know, some guys, some guys absolutely capitalize off of one award. Yeah. And, and other guys, I don't know how many guys have 19 or 20 awards. I know Dex South's got like 22. Kiefer Dex, Dex by Kiefer, that guy wins every wood deck every year, you yeah. know. Um, you know, so he's got a, a basement full of those. Dr. Dex, he's up there winning, you know, 20 plus deck remodelers. I know who all these guys are. And, um, you know, hopefully they know who I am too. I mean, I got they 20 awards, not. Um, you know, but again, what does one more award do for me? It doesn't really do anything, but keep me relevant year after year. Do you, have you ever, like normally people would have an answer to this question, but because you're so kind of like off the book, like you have your own creativity, do you find inspiration from any of those guys you just mentioned that have been doing this for longer and have been doing bigger stuff? And like, you're kind of a new guy on the deck scene a little bit, but do you find inspiration in them or, or, or no? No, you know, and I follow all those guys too, um, you know, and, and it's keeping track of what they're doing, you know, because everybody's a one-upper and I'm the same way. I need to know what my competition's doing so that I know what to design above and beyond. But, you know, I'll, I'll watch a couple of videos from this guy or this guy and they're not doing anything different than what I'm doing, um, you know, so that I can't really get inspiration from somebody that's not doing what I do. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, you know, so it's a challenge to come up with a new concept in the first place. Um, and I draw my inspiration from different things that I see in life. Yeah. Yeah. So how does, like, where did your wildest ideas come from? We understand the, the, the tree slab deck or the forest floor deck now, but like you just sure. said, you just said you find your inspiration from around your life. Do you go out intentionally searching for inspiration or do you find it's just like you're driving down a road one day and you see a bridge that looks cool and you're like ah that's the that's yeah no exactly um it could be just watching a show on netflix and see something um you know i follow a couple of different things on on instagram and um, there's a lot of great architecture that people incorporate into houses um and there's a lot of cool stuff that if you um you know just pay attention you know you can see but i try to just take things that I don't know, looked cool, but how can I make that into a deck or how can I take that and turn it into something different? Um, it's very random. It, it really is. Have you thought about ways to, uh, to capitalize on that? Have you thought about like, you know how there's like songwriters and then singers and like, so you're the designer, right? You drive, you drive around and you see a bridge and it turns into a deck for you. Have you oh, thought sure. about trying to be able to 
capitalize on that creative portion and, and then not actually build it? Or do you think you have yes. to build it before? Okay. Yeah. So, um, actually I started another company, uh, this is specifically for design, uh, call it the master plan. Awesome. And so my goal is to design Nadro award winning decks for anybody that wants the design. Um, and again, it's the concept, um, you know, that that's the challenging point of it. It's not just, you know, building something this size or this shape. It has to be a concept. It has to be, um, you know, a certain idea of what you're trying to pull off. But intentionally, um, I did that so that I can work with other builders and sell my designs to them. I think that's so amazing. I can't build forever and I can't expand. Sorry to interrupt. No, that's okay. Yeah. I, I think that there are a lot of builders that are extremely talented builders, but they're not left brain guys. You know what I mean? They're not, they're not creative. They know how to build a deck and build it really well. But yeah. 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 If you guys know anybody, I got designs for sale left and right. (laughs) (laughs) How often, like, I imagine you come up with some pretty crazy shit. How often does your first concept land with the customer? Or do you find them kind of like wanting to mute it a bit on you and kind of be like, ah, it's cool, but like, this is a little bit too crazy for my taste. Or do you find that they're all in with your first, first revision? I do a lot of walking away. Yeah. Really? Uh, I do. Yeah. It's, it's kind of my way or the highway. In fact, I, I give my clients zero um, opportunity to make changes, zero opportunity to make choices. I choose the shape. I choose the size. I choose the flooring. I choose the railing. I, they come out and see what we did without knowing what we're going to do. It's very strange to be, to be a contractor and to be in this situation where my clients do not get to make any choices. Right. So do you get, you must, do you get some feedback from them? Not feedback. Do you get some input from them before you start the design process? You meet with them and be like, what kind of things are you looking for? Do you, what design styles do you prefer? Straight lines, right. curves, that kind of thing. So that you can at least have a better shot of like having. Yeah. Usually, you know, I'll go out and meet with a client and they're going to let me know that they want a deck and they want to entertain a certain amount of people. Um, sometimes they'll say that they want some curvature, some flow to it. Uh, which is really refreshing to hear because again, I hate to build the 10 by 12 square, um, whether they want a porch cover or fire feature, water elements, anything like that. Um, those are just general requests. And, and it's my job as the designer to take their general requests and incorporate that into, um, a main attraction basically. Right. Do you feel like you have a style and, and it seems because every one of your projects is so different. But if you look at a guy like, you know, Premier Outdoor Living, he, you can tell one of his projects when you, like, without knowing who did it. Yeah, you can look you at a picture and be like, yeah, that was Sean designed by Sean, right? Him and, and deck remodelers and yeah. Johnny Huck. Yeah. I can look at all those guys and I know what their deck is when I look at it. But at the same time, just like Andy Henley told me with Hen House Decks, he's like, Dave, when I saw that Nadra video, I knew all the decks that belong to you. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Because so, I... I like to very colorful, very vivid, um, you know, patchwork deck floorings, you know, and so I think that that kind of is my style as much as I want to kind of get away from it. Maybe I can be more creative with the design aspect of like the, the structural shape of the color patterns versus the randomness. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I do believe that that is a lot of my style that plus throwing boulders into it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It's almost like your style is not really having a specific style. 
you know well then no that's true and you look at it again with just you say the originality of each project that i've won an award on is completely different from the previous project um and i think it's just the mindset of just trying to do something new every time yeah right yeah yeah um we have another question that popped in here from instagram from french french's outdoor uh said i heard through the grapevine that you've been able to bend voyage is that true if so details please yes i have um it's very, very challenging. It wants to bend by itself and you never know which direction it wants to bend to. <laughs> so when we use the heat con blankets to bend and um, we pay attention, we keep opening the, the blankets to look at the board as we're heating it because it's going to start to curl a certain direction. And depending on where uh, we'll, so we'll have our heat blankets set so we can take our boards directly from the blankets onto the form. And sometimes we have to switch the direction of the board and have to actually take it out of the blankets, turn it 180 degrees and put it back in to finish heating it so that we're not fighting the direction of which way it wants to curl. But we've had boards up to 325 degrees before, before they even started to bend. Wowzers. I, first time we got to 325, I was looking at, uh, um, how, how hot I, I'm allowed to get the heat con blankets before failure. And I even ran and grabbed the fire extinguisher because I didn't know <laughs> what flashpoint was, you know, and it was my insulation going to start on fire. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we've, we've had success between uh, 305 and 325 degrees with that. And the tightest that we've bent successfully was a five foot nine inch radius. Oh, wow. That, yeah, super tight. That is super tight for that. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. And so, well, I, I, I bent, uh, I've got an AZEC six inch board at 14 and a half inch radius right yeah. now. Wild. So yeah. does it, does the decorators voyage stuff fail in the same way that others do? Like, does it, does it bubble? Does it kink? Like, or is it crimples on the side? And what does it do when no, it doesn't it, work? No, it's actually, it's very solid. Um, it's a very strong board, and um, I got to be honest. If I wasn't using the TimberTech Azec board, that's the board that I would be using. Um, no, it, it does not. It has a very strong surface integrity, so you can heat it up to those really challenging temperatures, very hot, and there's no defects in it whatsoever. So, how when when does it not work? Then you pull it out, and it's not it's not hot enough, so it doesn't malleable. go, or like what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It has to be extremely hot to yeah. be able to bend. Well, at least, you know, when we're doing a five foot, nine inch radius, there's no way I'm going to get it that tight um, without it being at 320 degrees. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just it's not happening. But we've been able to get some really slight bends on it right around like 275, 280, yeah. you know, but yeah. no surface loss um, or integrity loss. Um, I can tell you though, all the other composites, because I own another company called Colorado board benders and I bend boards for all the deck builders around here in this area. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of guys selling curved decks, but they don't have the equipment and they don't have the knowledge to do it. We probably bend a hundred to 120 boards a year for other contractors. So I, I'm very well versed in all the other manufacturers and the problems with each of those. So would you go so far as to say that the decorators actually is easier like you got to get it hotter tougher to work with but there's not as much chance of fate like of ruining a board no no um it's very difficult to bend um see like with a composite you're going to heat it up for several hours and it's going to take several hours to cool down but when you're in the middle of your bend you might have two or three minutes to shape that board um you literally have 20 seconds with that voyage line to get it bent before it cools down to a point where it's not moving gotcha gotcha 
Oh boy. Well, and, and then, you know, when it, when I say that you heat it up and it starts to curl by itself, it doesn't always curl in an arch. Sometimes it curls in an S and then you're kind of screwed because it, you know, you're fighting it. And by the time you're on the S and you're trying to pull it back straight to go the other direction to bend that it doesn't work. It's it, over. It, it kinks. That's super strange. That's not, that's not what I would expect it to do. Given the, the kind of like linear fiberness to it, you wouldn't right. think it would have a directional that it would pull, but it must just be, I guess, you know, some slight density in that, you know, the, in the, and I think that's what it is. I think it's the density and the, the way that they extrude, they do that pull extraction yeah. Um, yeah. instead of the push extrusion and, um, and the way that it stretches the fibers, um, internally in the board, I yeah. think that that has a lot to do with which direction it wants to curl. Right. Right. Yeah. But you can't, you can't tell from the surface looking at it. You just have to heat it up and see what happens. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Fun every time. Yeah. A little surprise every yeah. time, right? Yeah. That's hardly expensive. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've gone through thousands and thousands of dollars of boards in trial and error. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool stuff. I have not, uh, like I've heard some guys having a little bit of a su success with it, like slight little bends here and there, but to do a five foot nine radius is, uh, that's eye opening. I didn't think that that yeah. was impossible with that stuff. So super challenging. I, we went through six boards to get one. Yeah. And that was for your own job or you were doing that for another yeah. contractor? That was for another contractor, but, um, you know, I have to bill accordingly too. It's pretty expensive to get boards bent. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, it takes a lot of time, a lot of effort to get, you know, a perfect radius and a perfect bend. You'll see some videos on YouTube or Instagram of guys pulling blankets or pulling boards out of blankets and throwing it on a form. It's there's way more involved than that. Trying oh, yeah. to bend so what did you tell that? He shows up and says, I need decorators voyage to a five foot nine radius and like nobody's done it before. What did you say? Like, sure. Actually, I'll I, sold, I sold the project as Vista and I told him, you know, cause he wasn't specific about it. And, um, and I said, yeah, we're, we're only been in the Vista line. We've never actually done the voyage line. And uh, this is the guy that wanted five foot nine inch radius. And when I showed up to pick up the boards, because they have to supply me with the material, I just bend it for the service. Yeah. Um, I saw that it was the voyage line. And I said, you know, challenge accepted, um, you know, and, and so that the, the first voyage board I bent was a five foot nine inch radius. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it took six boards, but he had to just keep supplying boards to me, you know, uh, at his cost. Yeah. You know, he's the one that sold the project and he's the one that promised his client yeah. that he could get it done. He already had the whole deck built. <laughs> Just that's waiting like, for you yeah. to finish that one board. It's, well, you know, that's what happens to me is everybody that wants boards bent, they've already promised their client. They've already framed it. They've already put the flooring down. And then now they're trying to figure out how to get the boards bent for the border. Boy, that's going to burn somebody pretty hard someday. Yeah. <laughs> I know a couple of guys that have lost their projects on what I have to charge. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No doubt about it. Yeah. Um, Dave, I don't know if there's anything else that you want to discuss today. I kind of ran through all the things I wanted to touch on, but is there anything that you wanted to put out there in the world? No, man, uh, this is a great opportunity. Thanks for having me on and giving me a chance to tell my story. Yeah, I, I really story. appreciate it. We've been, we've been slacking on getting these interviews done and I, I really enjoy doing them because I love learning about people's business and, and I love that guys get exposure off this podcast. So in your case where you, uh, you know, you feel a little bit under-recognized in the industry, I hope that this helps in some capacity. And so if you're, yeah, if you're a vendor out there listening and you haven't checked out LS Underground's work, uh, you better because he's doing some pretty crazy stuff. It's only a matter of time before this guy pops off and yeah. people snatch him up on sponsorships. So get on it. Uh, thanks so much, Dave, for taking part in the podcast. I hope you have a great rest yes. of your week. And uh, that's it for us. We'll see everybody next week. Thanks for tuning in. 
Hit it, Kyler. I threw you under the bus there. Hey, Bryce walked away. <laughs> See you, Dave. See you guys. Thanks. Take it easy. You guys. Thank you. Hey, thank you for listening to the Ultimate Deck Podcast. Now you know what we're about. Check the site. Come and shop. UltimateDeckShop.com. Hit us right away for sponsorships. So tell us if you want to collaborate. Let's go. Check us out on any Recording stops. Thank you for listening. See you guys.